Welcome to In Search of Wisdom, a podcast by the Perennial Leader Project. On today's episode, my guest is Brandon Tumlin, the host of the Strong Stoic Podcast. Brandon is a return guest on the show, and as you'll hear us talk about in the episode, we take a deep dive into the topic of harmony. Brandon did a solo episode on his podcast a while back on harmony that I loved, so I asked him to come on to share some wisdom about how we might find harmony amid the chaos of life. In the conversation, Brandon and I discuss how to think about harmony, the obstacles to finding it, how to play your part in the world, finding harmony between passion and reason, order and disorder, how to deal with people that seem to be causing disorder, and much more. Brandon is one of those special people that can think deeply about a topic while at the same time think practically and with clarity. I enjoyed the conversation and think you will as well. Without any further delay, please welcome the wise and gracious Brandon Tumblin. Well, I've been looking forward to having this conversation. A few months back, you did an episode on harmony, which is not something we necessarily often think of. At least it's not something I think of. And it's, I really enjoyed the episode. So I'm excited to to chat about it and, and have you share a bit of that with, uh, with the listeners here. But to begin, you know, what led you to do a, a full episode, this deep dive into harmony? Well, I suppose the impetus for it was I had a conversation with uh, David Feidler, who wrote Breakfast with Seneca. And we talked about harmony a little bit in that episode and how really, if you trace back what the word means, it's something like beautiful order. And so I was thinking about that for a while, beautiful order. So the the order part is interesting because you know we think about order we think about structure and then you think about beauty and that that sort of ties in with passion so it's almost like you say something like beautiful order to me it's there are two words that are often not used together and so i've been a musician since i was nine and i started to try and tie that in with harmony because music is what harmony is is really built upon and what that sort of led me between, between I guess, trying to figure out with what harmony meant in music and also making the connection between that and philosophy, I started just really going into this, this rabbit hole of thinking about this idea. And so I, I felt like it, it warranted its own, its own episode, but also like just it's so applicable to everything because I think really it is fundamentally what philosophy is about. So that's that's kind of what led to that, I guess, passion to, to do an episode on that. When you think of what maybe stands in the way of us finding harmony in our in our individual lives or just the world in general, what comes to mind? I think a huge part of it is knowing what your role should be in the world. And so maybe maybe to explain what that means, you know, one of the points that I made in, in my episode was that for you to live harmoniously, it's not that you're the same as everyone else, but that rather that you, you're different and that you use your uniqueness in a way that is is beneficial to the world around you. And so you talk about something like that, in order for you to really live in harmony, you really have to know who you are as an individual. I know we, we, you and I just spoke quite a bit on knowing thyself and self-love and this whole concept, but I think one of the things, if you look at someone who's not really living harmoniously, a lot of times it's because they don't know, they're not really doing what they want to do or they don't know what they want to do. And maybe they have some bad relationships and, and, and they, they, you know, they're not, they're not 
knowing who they love and the person that that loves them quote quote loves them maybe they don't know who they are either and so it it really gets down to i guess this idea of of wisdom it's like like who are you and what can you contribute to the world and what do you require of other people and that that is the fundamental philosophical question isn't it like like what is wisdom and and how do we achieve it so i would say it's wisdom and you i suppose you move closer to that over the course of your life but yeah do you think it's it's possible for this idea of um maybe you might call it an inner calm you know you you think of in the midst of, of a storm someone may be able to to find this inner peace and and calm in that i think if you can't do that you'll never have peace and the reason i say that is because um you know i think the base layer of life is is pretty chaotic actually you know like a lot of us we we look forward to that time where things are going to be sorted out and everything's going to be perfect and beautiful but the reality is that 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 is actually life this, this isn't like like when life is chaotic it's not because something's gone wrong that is life life is chaotic and so this this idea of you you know being harmonious and being in peace despite the chaos that's surrounding you like we think about that as a worst case scenario and certainly sometimes it can get pretty it, you know there's there's degrees to this but i think in general that is that is the norm like how do we be happy despite the tragedy of life that's mm. that's the question right mm. you mentioned in the beginning of the conversation this beautiful order and sometimes we don't assign beautiful order to the chaos of life or maybe seneca's talking about the uncertainty of life should we think about it as a as a beautiful order like how does that connect well i actually <clears throat> after you and I kind of spoke about this episode leading up to it, I started to make the connection actually between this idea and what the Taoists talk about, which is chaos and order and the balancing of those two. And so I was trying to wrap my head around how do you fit chaos in with this idea of harmony and, or how do you live a harmonious life despite the chaos? But I think the truth is, is that chaos is in the equation of harmony Chaos is not something that's external. It's built within the foundations of what harmony is. And so when you talk about beautiful beautiful order, beauty beauty is is in a sense it's chaos. Like that's what creativity is. If you it's and I don't mean chaos in like a a bad crazy way. I mean the unknown. And that includes things like beauty, that includes things like staring out at the ocean and just feeling so small. That includes going into a church and just being dumbfounded by by the beauty. And so there's there's order within that but I think beauty is often associated with with chaos it's that that religious harmonious experience despite that chaotic that that the chaos around you. And so I I've been trying to wrap my head around this and actually I love your input on this because I just sort of had this little epiphany with with the Taoists like chaos and order. Harmony is not order and it's not chaos. Harmony is chaos and order and balancing those two perfectly throughout your life. Mm. It's really interesting and I like how in the in the episode that you did you bring in music and I'm not musically inclined don't know any anything about music at all and you talk about a a B chord being many many things maybe we could bring in music here as an analogy Yeah, let's do it. So I've been playing guitar since I was 9 so I've always been thinking about music and how this relates to everything and so if you picture a guitar most people know roughly what a guitar looks like it's got it has six strings and most people are familiar with what a G chord maybe what that word is is like a G chord but what is actually a G chord well so a guitar has six strings a G chord is not six G notes it's not you place your fingers on the strings and create six G notes and then it's like six strings playing the same note 
It's actually a combination of three separate notes. It's G, B, and D notes, meaning harmony is not created because everything is the same. Harmony is created because things are different in a harmonious manner. So they can't be completely different. Like you, a G chord, you can't throw in an, an, an F note and it be harmonious in a G chord, for example, or B flat. It has to be the right kind of notes. And so when you talk about things like harmony and like, you know, a lot of people feel different. They feel uh, isolated from the world or even maybe they're different from the rest of their family. And harmony is not about being the same as everyone else. It's it, In fact, it's the opposite. If you're the same as everyone else, you're not a chord. You're not a harm, harmony. You're just a single. You're a note. Harmony is about is about, I suppose, finding that balance in between you and everything else and not necessarily, like, you're, you're not the same. So if you're different and if you're isolated, it's like, yeah, man, that's that's okay. And not only is that okay, that's beneficial to the world if you can find a way, if you can find those other notes in your core that's going to allow you to to live harmoniously, if that makes sense. I'm, I'm really fascinated by this idea of... Uh... And I had a question around order. I, I had order and disorder here. You were talking about order and chaos. And it, it it seems like from a music standpoint as an analogy or just a life, you do need some sort of order. Like, do you need an objective good? Like, there is such a thing as a B chord. And a B chord consists of X, Y, and Z, you know, as, as you said, uh, you know, it reminds me of like C.S. Lewis wrote this interesting book, The Abolition of Man, which is it's a philosophical work, short read, but just a, a scathing type of thing on subjectivism. And I, you know, I wrote this quote from the book and it says, you can't go on seeing through things forever. The whole point of seeing through something is to see something through it. To see through all things is the same as not to see. Um, you know, and he talks about this idea of harmony between the head, the heart, and the gut. You know, the individual being in, in harmony. But it, it seems to connect back with a need for some sort of philosophy of life. Like as you were describing that, I'm thinking of Seneca just railing on about ad adopt some sort of rule to live by, have something like there needs to be order for there to be this freedom and flexibility and chaos and disorder to even exist. I don't know. How do you think about that from an individual perspective? Yeah. So so again, like, the, and this is where I'm starting to think more about harmony in terms of not how to how to live harmoniously despite chaos, but chaos is in the equation of what harmony means. And so, if you talk about something like order, well, why do you need order? Well, what's wrong if you have too much chaos? If you have too much chaos, you know, you're let, let's look at this practically. You don't have a sleep schedule. You don't have stable relationships. You don't have a stable job. You don't have any stable, um, uh, uh, let's say, hobbies or passion projects. And I use stable in each of those because I think that's really what it is. And that's what it provides you. Like order provides you this stability from which you can like project yourself forward in life. And so you can't, you can't even operate in life without some form of, of order. And this is even true physiologically, like again, sleep patterns, like it's well documented that sleep patterns regulate your hormones which regulates your mood and like this is so this isn't just true philosophically but if you get right down to the cells and to the biology and the physiology of who we are as human beings you absolutely need some form of of order now the question is well what does that order look like and again there's there's some empirical evidence for example sleep schedules but Generally speaking, it's like, okay, you, you need a steady sleep schedule. You need a bit of exercise. You need some good relationships. You need some meaningful work. Uh, you probably need some other 
like forms of relationships, friends, kids, like broadly speaking, those pieces are there. It just, you know, you have to work out the details yourself. No one can do that for you, but, but yeah, no, absolutely. Order is essential, essential in life. And you talked about, uh, just there, this idea of, of regulation and sleep and hormones and things like that. Like, I'm curious, it seems like people throughout history have been talking about this idea of passion and reason. Socrates talked about, you know, a chariot and a horse. Uh, Nietzsche said we're supposed to find this harmony between passion and reason. And um, interestingly, I think if I remember correctly, you've done an episode on Jonathan Haidt's concept of this elephant in the rider. It could be helpful to to bring that in and and you know talk a bit about how we find harmony between passion and reason. I never actually connected that with Jonathan Haidt's book in my mind, so that's interesting. Between reason and passion, I mean, and and I'm not sure exactly, uh, you know, if this is what you're talking about. But my thoughts on this is we talk about this balance, the reason aspect of life or the reason half is really like the, the practical necessities of life in my mind. So you talk about, again, like, what do you need? Well, there's certain things that you need to survive. Like you need food, you need water, you need shelter. And reason sort of helps you sort all that out at the same time. Like you need a bit of passion as well. Like you need a, a passion project is what a lot of people call it today. And I guess one of the ways I see this manifested today uh, is how people work and have a have a hobby. So like most people have a job, hopefully, hopefully they don't hate it. And people say, go after a job you love. That's, it's very difficult to do practically, right? But you can find a job you don't hate that you, you, know, you don't want to kill yourself on the way to the job, right? Like most people have that within their grasp. And then, so they work their 40 hours and, you know, it gives them stability. It gives them a bit of order in life. And then when they get home, they probably have a passion project. Maybe they're, maybe they're painters or maybe they're going to the gym and that's sort of where their, where their fuel is, is going. And, and you, you need both. Like sometimes you can make a life that aligns those, but I think it's really difficult. And so you need to account for the practical necessities and limitations of life buy things like order and having a job and having work. But then you also need a, a bit of room, a bit of room to extend out and find some passion. And, and, and again, it's like that, that balancing act is, is essential in, in terms of happiness. I think, I think most people need, need both. Yeah. It's, um, is that what you were thinking about in terms of reason, passion? A, a little bit. I, I was, um, Mostly referring, even though I, I love how you, you brought that in in terms of a, a passion project, I was mostly um, talking about uh, passion in the sense of emotions. So it's like Nietzsche felt that he was too on this reason, rational side and wanted himself to tap into this, this other side of you know passion and emotions and stuff like that. But then there may be others that are on the on the other side, and it, it's like an interesting thing I think that comes up today of um, you know the wisdom of emotions. But then there's also that you know I, I guess I, I don't even know how to say it really, um, but some sort of uh, idea it seems like now where there's this. Obviously, we don't want to repress any emotions. The Stoics were, you know, very clear in terms of it's about avoiding these negative emotions. But it does seem like people often talk about that there's a lot of wisdom, even in maybe some of the negative emotions. There's still people that don't necessarily universally buy into the uh, thing that anger is bad that's something that in buddhism exists and stoicism exists but there are there are still you know books that come out today kind of this making a case for anger being a good thing um but maybe there's something to do with that but i, I you know it's this idea of 
obviously there'd have to be some sort of harmony between emotions and reason and all of that, which is a challenge. Yeah. I, it's funny you say that. Cause I, I have an episode coming out on anger nice. <laughs> very, very soon next week. Um, so yeah, I've been thinking about this because yeah, the Stoics were very dogmatic about this. They, they thought that anger was never virtuous. It could never be good. And Aristotle and Plato, they thought that there was a form of virtuous anger. And so I, I've wrestled with this idea myself because, you know, like you look at someone like Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who took down the, the Soviet Union or played a huge role in taking down the Soviet Union. Like you read the Gulag Archipelago where he's detailing all these atrocities that the Soviet Union committed. That's like, like you can't read that and say he's not fueled by anger. Like there is an anger in that that's allowing him to get across this point, get across this emotion. And so one of the things that I think maybe the Stoics don't uh, appreciate is how emotion can be very, it can fuel you. Now it can fuel you to do terrible things and it can fuel you to lose reason. And so, you know, and again, I'm I'm still wrestling with this idea, but it seems to me to be like, if you are completely virtuous, maybe anger is always a bad thing but like how many among us are sages like again you talk about someone like Solzhenitsyn the Stoics would say well yeah he could have written that same book and not been angry well maybe like do you know that do you know that Solzhenitsyn would have even written that book do you know that he would have risked his life because he he would have been killed if they found out he was he was writing this book would he have done that if he didn't have the emotion of anger? Like maybe if he was a sage, but is the sage something that is realistic in terms of practical application, like in terms of conceptualization? And I guess that's where I've somewhat settled on this idea is, is yeah, I mean, if we're all gods, maybe virtue is, maybe anger is always vicious, but we're not. Like sometimes you need a little bit of fuel to push you in the right direction. Uh, I don't know. What do you think of that? I I think it's a a great point. I've thought about this idea because there's, there's not universal agreement. And it's, it's interesting when you read things, there are, you know, as you mentioned there, uh, Aristotle, the Stoics and different things like that. But the idea of people bring up righteous anger, that's something that I, I guess maybe exists in, in Christianity as well. And I think when people are talking about anger as this fuel, to me, it doesn't seem like it's just anger. There's also some sort of compassion for people that are being oppressed or, you know, there's anger, there's there's compassion, empathy. It seems like that in itself is some sort of harmony or some sort of mixed bag of different emotions. Well, yeah, I mean, that is that is what Aristotle thought virtuous anger was. It's, it's like fuel for from a place of compassion. So you see like an injustice happening in the world and you get, you know, like the war in Ukraine is a great example. You can look at something like that and you feel a little bit angry because of the atrocities committed there and the innocent people that are dying. And so Aristotle would say that's a virtuous type of anger because it's aimed towards justice. The Stoic response to that is, well, yes, but you can still do all the right things for Ukraine and not be angry. And you can, uh, and, and it's also discomfort. And also the people in Ukraine don't care if you're angry. They just care if they're getting helped or not. And so again, it's interesting because in a sense, they're right. Like the Stoics are right about that. It would be better if you weren't angry about that and you did everything that an angry person would do to fight that injustice. But then the question is, would you? Like, would you do it if you didn't have a little bit of emotion and a little bit of anger in you about that injustice? Yeah. And and I don't know. I I really don't know. It depends on the person, I suppose. Yeah. It's always interesting in, in... In terms of labels and stuff like that and in our emotions, like I could see this same thing being put underneath some sort of label of of courage and compassion or you're motivated to do something. Um, 
but it's like we throw righteous in front of anger. It just seems strange to me where it, cause it could be many other things. It's like this idea of anxiety and excitement, you know, psychologists talk about that. You, you can't even tell the difference be between the two and what really is the difference. Um, but you could put these things underneath that. That's the only thing of uh, the righteous anger just seems to be so different from actual anger and rage and things that leads uh, l- often lead us to do, um, you know, things that we regret and things that hurt others and all that type of stuff. But it's an interesting thing. I think it connects with harmony completely of how do we find some sort of, of, of harmony, reason, wisdom at the same time. So we're making wise decisions and discerning, you know, accurately moving forward. Yeah. And I mean, here, here's a, in terms of that, you know, cause one of the practical things that I, that I've uh, thought about is, you know, sometimes you'll be working, you'll be working with someone and they won't take you seriously unless you're a little angry about something. And so here again, you run into this practical application. Now, again, the Stoics have an answer. For, the, the Stoics have an answer for everything. They would say, "Well, yeah, you can be, you can, you can like make it seem like you're angry and not actually feel angry about it." I was like, "Okay, but where are we drawing the line here?" Right? Like, <laughs> again, this is something that the Stoics are dogmatic about, and I'm still, I'm still wrestling with this. But, but yeah, like sometimes if if an employee or a coworker does something that's just that step, like they step on your foot in a very bad way. Some of those people, they will not take you seriously if you just if you try and reason with them. Say, hey, listen, like this isn't this makes me look bad, and now I have to do a lot more work because you did this. They just don't care. Whereas if you're a bit more stern with them, fueled by like a little, just a tiny bit. I'm not saying like rage, but like a little bit of anger. Sometimes that can actually be beneficial in a practical application, right? Yeah. So it's so it's harmony beautiful order you've talked about us fitting in playing our part you know how do you deal with others that are essentially trying to go against harmony you know you have others that are tearing you know tearing down harmony how do we deal with that Yeah, I mean, I would categorize that, I suppose, as chaos. Um, and so I think it's best to maybe think about that as part of the harmonious experience itself. And again, it, it really depends. Like, there's people that are malicious. They're trying to, like, literally trying to tear everything apart and, like, destructive, right? Uh, and so maybe those people are in a separate category. But in general, if you're talking about, for example, you're in a, a relationship with someone and they're, they don't, don't seem to be doing their part, you kind of got to ask yourself, well, like, do they know their part? Have you communicated their part? Um, have they agreed to their part? And this is what you have to do in a team of work people as well. Like, you have to sit down and you have to get buy-in. You, you know, <laughs> that, 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 that's the word they use in companies, buy-in. But, but that's really what it is. It's like, why is someone not playing their part towards harmony? That's the real question, right? So I don't know what you think. Like, are you referring, I suppose, more towards people that are ignorant about their tasks? Or is it like people who are actively trying to just destroy the world, like bitter, resentful, angry people? I guess a little bit of both. But it's also an interesting thing. As, as you were talking there, it's like there's that, you know, some sort of cliche of, of you know, everybody's dancing to their own beat, but we can have a tendency to think that our beat is the beat and everyone, you know, if we're playing the B chord, everyone, you know, if that's what it is, but understanding the uniqueness and the, and the differences and that everyone has their own part to play. Yeah, I think, the best way to explain this is actually to go back to the music example. So if you're in a band and you're playing the guitar, what is required of you? Like your requirement is to play the G chord right now. And then in four seconds, 
you switch to a D chord. And in another four seconds, you switch to a C chord. So there's there's requirements of you, and you can get right down to the specifics, how you play, how you strum, uh, which is how do you play your role in that band? Now, you can think about that as, okay, I am playing my chord, but that's not really what you're doing. What you're doing is you're saying there's a union between me and these three to four other people. What does that union require of me? And what that is, is you playing the right chords at the right time in the right way. If you're playing guitar, you're not, you're hearing the beat of the drummer, but you're not concerned about when he's hitting the snare drum or the, the, the bass drum. You're not concerned about that. You're hearing it, but he's playing his role. Now, nobody in a band, this is why music is such a great example, because nobody in a band would play the guitar and be angry at the drummer for not playing the guitar, right? Yeah. Like, no one's there like, damn it, why am I the only one playing guitar? But in a family or in a relationship, you think, well, why am I the only one doing this? It's like, that's not the question. It's not the question of if you're the same. It's what are they contributing to you? What are you contributing to, to them? And not them, but the union of who you are, that conglomerate, the band, which is bigger than both of you. It makes me think of, I, I've always been fascinated with team development and seeing a group of individuals come together and collaborate and literally, I want to, you know, I want to say some sort of love of like, will the good of each other, you know, help each other play their own particular part, um, but really helping each other flourish. So it's like this love and harmony. And I, I know we, you know, last time we connected, had a conversation about love. It seems that it's somehow part of it. Like it's somehow part of this, you know, as the band, you're hoping and willing the best for that other individual that is playing another instrument you know there there's no competition necessarily there not that there's something wrong with competition but that's not the thing it's this harmony it's this some sort of higher goal yeah well yeah and, and really what that is is we are no longer individuals we are a group and now what is that group trying to achieve and what role do i have to play to attain that goal Right. That's it, man. That that is the question. And I just, you know, I, I really love this topic because, again, I feel like so many people get distraught, myself included. I'm speaking from personal experience, too, where you feel like you're different. You feel like you're isolated. Like, you know, I was always different from my family in, in some ways. Uh, none of my family are nearly as philosophical as I am. And so you think about something like that when you're young. Think, damn, like. Maybe I don't belong here, something like that. But when you think about this idea of harmony, like I'm living very harmoniously with my family right now. And that is through accepting that you don't have to be the same. In fact, it's not that you don't have to be the same. You shouldn't be the same. You can't be the same. A band is not five people playing the guitar. A band is a person that's playing the guitar and a singer and a drummer and a bass player. Like you, it's not like being different is not uh, like a bug. It's it's a feature. It's it is what harmony harmony is about, and that to me that's just it's such a beautiful beautiful idea, right? Like because I know we all feel so different and isolated, but like <laughs> that's what harmony is. It is being different and isolated. Yeah. And playing a role for something greater between everyone else. It's really difficult to see. I I love this idea in, in Buddhism. I believe it's called the two truths. But it's... Talk about... We're not all one. But we're not exactly two. You know, it's like... We're, like we're a forest. You know, but we're still these individual trees that are all connected and it's uh it's very it's very difficult to to really realize it's almost something that has to be experienced i'm uh i'm always curious of um 
you know, when you read something like Marcus Aurelius is writing to himself, meditate often on the interdependence of everything. You know, it's like, how do you do that? How do you experience that? From um, contemplative practice, you know, it may be thousands of hours of, of, of stillness and things like that. And you get a particular insight um, and, you know, you experience that interdependence. But that wasn't what the Stoics necessarily did from anything that we can read, that it wasn't, they weren't necessarily um, meditators. But they still had this deep realization of of our connection, and it comes all all throughout the writing and things like that. But let me let me ask you one thing that I think connects with this. There's a thing in uh, in Zen where it's like the highest accomplishment is being ordinary. Um, and I had a I I did a newsletter I, I think a few weeks back on essentially like the art of being ordinary. But there is this tendency to see ourselves larger or see ourselves maybe too small. Like we're, we're, we're fitting into some sort of puzzle piece. But like when it comes to the band, sometimes we have this thing of we think that we need to play every instrument. We are necessarily a, a band in ourselves. We might see ourselves much larger and more significant than in reality we are. Yeah, I got a few thoughts about that. Uh, the first thing I would say is in a hundred years, in a thousand years, certainly in a hundred billion years, we're all insignificant. Right? And this this is this idea of that Stokes often talk about, which is, you know, we're mortal. We're all going to die someday. So if you're, if you're looking like, if you look way in the future, as far as you can, your tiny primate brain can imagine, like, you know, everything's insignificant. So that's a very humbling thing to consider because what it means is that, or what, what some people perceive that as meaning is, well, life is meaningless, but that's actually not true because your life doesn't exist a hundred billion years in the future, your life exists right now at this present moment. That's when life exists, you know? And so you talk about like feeling significant feeling like you want to do everything. I mean, and I, I, I resonate with that because, you know, I've, I've, I've been a loner in, in a lot of my projects in life and never really like to rely on people for things. And I guess what I've come to realize is that's not that's just not the way. And the reason is because you have weaknesses as an individual. And so part of what harmony does for you, it allows you all to create something that's bigger than the sum of its parts. But really, it allows you to cover up your weaknesses. Like maybe you're great at the guitar. Maybe you suck at drums. So maybe if in some crazy world and you can do this now you can record yourself playing guitar you can record yourself playing drums and a bass and you can put it all together and create a song maybe you can do that but maybe you're crap at the drums so like you the, the point is is that you shouldn't because you are a flawed person with weaknesses and part of this what this gets into is that you know, you mentioned a bit there about like conflict, right, uh, earlier. And harmony is sort of that conflict. Like that's, that's what it is. So you talk about like discomfort dealing with people like Marcus Aurelius, right, dealing with people that are, that are conflicting him. But, you know, that, that is really what harmony is about because what that conflict is doing is addressing your weakness, right? Is that, is that kind of what you were going at there? Yeah, I wasn't necessarily going anywhere in particular. It's just, um, you know, this idea, I think there's this tendency for maybe ego, arrogance to see ourselves larger than, than we are. Like I think about there's a, there's a quote from, from Gandhi that says, whatever you do will be insignificant but it's very important that you do it. 
you know, as you were talking about there of, of we're impermanent, we're finite beings. We may not, you know, be, be remembered and things like that. It seems like it can pull some people into a nihilistic perspective. And then for others, it can really energize them to, to make the, the most of this very moment, you know, and, and do the things that matter to them. How do we avoid the path of, of nihilism, you think, and realizing that we're maybe a, a small piece of the, of the puzzle? Well, I, I think it's, you know, how do you avoid nihilism, man? I mean, isn't that the question of philosophy? But I think really the answer is you have to find a way to believe that life is beautiful and worth living. Like I, and that, I mean, that's, that's very difficult, but that's, I think that's how you avoid nihilism. It's, it's like, cause nihilism is what, well, life is, life is meaningless. Yeah, sure. Life is meaningless. If you look at a hundred thousand years in the future, is life meaningless right now? And if you assume, if you believe that life is actually worth living and it can be beautiful, well, then the question is, why wouldn't you want as many people to experience that as possible? Like you and I are very privileged people. Like we live in the West and we have a lot of beautiful moments. I mean, we're, we get the opportunity to sit here and talk about philosophy on a, on a podcast, like talk about privilege, right? Now, you know, again, it's like, what should we be doing with our time? And one of the best things that I think we should be doing, that's where meaning is found is, I mean, we're living great lives. Other people should be able to live such lives. We should be able to create a world where more people can live a beautiful life. And not everyone does, sadly. Some people are born and die very young. But what the privileged among us can do is contribute to the world such that we create a world where more people can experience the beautiful nature that is life in and of itself. And that's, that's what duty is. That's what work is. Um, but yeah, it, it is. I mean, avoiding, avoiding nihilism is no simple thing. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it really, but I, but I think that's what it is. Life worth living. And more people should be able to experience it. So how do we create a world where that can happen? Well, well said. Let me ask from, a, as we start to wrap up here, from a, a very practical standpoint, which can be difficult to, to think about. But if there's somebody listening, looking for a single, small, tiny step towards realizing and finding some harmony in their life what comes to mind hmm i would say that you need to find out where you stand on that balance between chaos and order if you don't have a sleep schedule if you don't have good relationships if you don't have a stable job you have way too much chaos hmm. And so you, you need to work on stabilizing some parts of your life. On the other side, if you have too much order, meaning you're never, everything you do is known, well, you have no passion. So you might have to look into doing something creative. You might have to look into like, what, what is going to ignite that little fire within me? And so you talk about creating harmony. It's like, where are you on that balance, man? Mm. Are you overly structured or do you have no structure? And then depending on where you are, what, how can I add structure if I have too much chaos or how can I find something new to be interested in? What is calling me to learn about or what is calling me to, to try something new and yeah, you're going to suck at it, but just go for it. So I, I think, I think that is the question for, for everyone. Like, how, how do we know we're in harmony? Well, where are you on that scale? Yeah. That, that really connects directly with, um, 
an author that I that I like, Richard Rory, wrote this book, The Wisdom Pattern, and he talks about these three phases of order, disorder, and reorder. And the reorder is really identical to as you were talking about of integrating both this order and disorder. Let me ask you one more music question analogy. If someone is getting started in a musical instrument, and we could maybe say, you know, if someone is getting started on the path of a philosophy of life or learning to live or the, you know, just getting started on the, on the path to wisdom, you know, is it a good idea to, to focus on that, that order first before you can really bring things in where you're coloring outside the lines and, you know, doing some Jimi Hendrix type of stuff? Yeah, man, you, you just read my mind because as a beginner, by definition, whatever craft that is, there's too much chaos, meaning there's too much that you don't know. So, and this is what's so interesting because you need to know something to live harmoniously. Like you, you need order to live harmoniously. You need to know how to play a G chord and a D chord and a C chord in order for you to play in harmony with the rest of the band. And then what ends up happening is you start to reach a level of proficiency of skill that then allows you to be creative and to be that Jimi Hendrix and to create, you know, people think about things like poetry and, and painting. Yeah, that is creative, but you need to know how to hold the brush. You need to know the skills. You need to like harness those skills. You need to appreciate the different colors and the different types of pen styles before you can even become creative. And, and so, yeah, like I 100% agree that when you're starting something, the very first thing you need to do, because basically what you are is all chaos in that particular thing. If you're starting in the music, hopefully your whole life's not chaos, but if you're starting as a musician, your role as a, as a musician is all chaos because you don't know anything. Mm -hmm. So what's the first step? Well, I need to get structured and learn something which can be tedious and boring, but that's the only way to finding harmony. Mm. I, I love it. And I, I think it's a great case for when it comes to, to how to live, you know, maybe a starting point would be looking to the people that have come before us, these wise thinkers that have, people have already thought about this type of stuff for thousands of, of years to get a basic understanding before we start painting, painting outside the lines and all of that type of stuff. Well, I, I really love it. I think that's a, a great spot to, to wrap it up, man. I, as always, I appreciate connecting with you. I have a tremendous amount of respect of these deep dives that you do into so many different topics. How do you come up with topics, you know, like harmony, you talked about anger coming up. How do you think about what's, what's coming down the road in, in the way of episodes? Well, I mean, part of it is because I got, uh, I got great friends like yourself and others who, who want to will the good of me, you know, <laughs> not to get too corny with it, not to get too corny with it, but it's true, man. Like our conversations, I mean, even through this conversation, lots of little spirals that are going out of control now that I'm like, damn it, I need to, I need to go down that road for a bit. Mm. Um, so it's, it's a lot through, through people that offer me different perspectives and yeah, that, that's it. Even like sometimes it's through books and through learning, but it, it all comes from different perspectives, different insights at, or, or at, it's basically when I realize that, Oh shit, there's so much about this topic. I don't know. I better start digging into it a little yeah. bit. So again, and, and huge, huge thanks to you, man. Like I, I got so much, so much appreciation and respect for you and what you do. And I know, um, I know we've been collaborating for a while, but <laughs> and we, we, we always, but I, I just want to make sure that, you know, uh, you know how grateful I am and, uh, 
and happy to talk with you. Oh, likewise. And, uh, and it seems like you're also touching on many topics that are not necessarily on people's minds. It's not something that all sorts of other podcasts are, I mean, you think about anger, harmony, and things like that are, are not necessarily the topics that are, you know, first to come to mind. So how can people can connect with you, man? Can you share a, a little bit about the best way to get in contact with you and, and uh, the podcast and all that? Yeah, so you can check out my website, which is just brandontumblin.com. But the Strong Stoic podcast is everywhere. It's everywhere you listen to your podcasts. Quite active on Instagram, quite active on Twitter. Um, those are the best spots. Everywhere at the the Strong Stoic I've heard you mention just one last question here. I've heard you mention on some of your episodes this idea of, of Telegram. What is Telegram and, and what are you doing mm. there? Yeah, that's exciting. So this is something I started not that long ago, but I'm trying to build like a bit of a community where we can talk about the podcast episodes in particular. So because what I found is I get a lot of people reach out to me and they give me like, hey, this episode helped me with a particular topic or even I disagree with this point and here's why. And I find it, uh, it was disheartening to me that only I got to value to that only me was it only I was able to take value from those little insights. And so I wanted to create kind of a bit of a community. And so telegram is a group chat, which is where I'm trying to build that, where that can actually take place. Um, so, because I love hearing from people and I think other people benefit from hearing other people's perspectives as well. So that's kind of what I'm doing with that. And that's same thing, the strong stoic channel, the strong stoic channel chat. Well, cool. That's it. That's exciting. Well, Brandon, thanks again for coming on in search of wisdom, man. I appreciate it. All right, brother. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. You can get the show notes and links to resources mentioned at perennialleader.com slash podcast. If you're interested in learning more, subscribe to The Path. It's our free weekly newsletter. These are short reflections on wisdom for everyday life right to your inbox. And lastly, I urge you to put what you heard into practice. Until next time, be wise and be well.